help people grow. I wish that uh, I grew up in a church that was very small, much like uh, this one, maybe even less members. But um, when I got saved, I just kind of got a pat on the back and said, good luck. Uh, read your Bible. And I thought, well, what does that mean? I didn't know what a study Bible was. I, I just seen a bunch of verses on a page, and I thought, my goodness, where do I start? And I, I don't know, the Lord just kind of put something on my heart that if, if I was a pastor and if I, if I won somebody to Christ, they were getting a study Bible. Because I want a study Bible that will help mentor them, that will help grow them, and help understand the scripture that they're reading uh, so that they can apply it to their life. So that's why we did that this morning, and uh, I'm thankful for that. This song uh, this morning, uh, I got the news uh, from a dear friend of mine in Tennessee, uh, Mr. Landon Dawson. Some of y'all might have heard of uh, the Southern Gospel singing group uh, called Airline. Uh, Ernie Dawson and Airline sang for years. He's a, a songwriter who has wrote for many other singing groups and things like that. But uh, Brother Ernie, he's battled uh, kidney failure and he's been on dialysis for several years. Um, but he went home to be with the Lord this morning. And uh, when I pastored in Tennessee, they, I actually had them come and sing for me. And they invited me to sing this song with them. And so this morning, I'm going to sing it in tribute to Brother Ernie. He, uh, he wrote this song, and uh, it was humbling for me to be able to sing with Airline that night. Uh, so just listen to the words. <clears throat> Once I went walking down a long, lonely road I thought I had no one Who would share my heavy load Then my mind went soaring back To a place I'd never been And I realized that I was standing At the foot of my King there were three lonely crosses on a hillside that day. As I looked at my Savior, I cried, Lord, take me away. There was blood flowing down and thorns pierced his head. But he cried, Father, forgive and then my Savior was dead. Well, I stood there in silence, thinking, Lord, how can this be? That your beloved Son, He gave His life just for me. Then I heard a sweet voice whisper, Child, lift up your head For the one that you see hanging there Well, Jesus, he's not dead Yes, he's alive, he's alive No death could not hold him He's alive, he's alive Oh, the stone, it was rolled away Satan thought he'd won the battle when Jesus died on that tree. 
Oh, but Jesus came back from the grave and he won the victory. He's alive, he's alive. No death could not hold him. He's alive, he's alive. Oh, that stone, it was rolled away. Satan thought he'd won the battle when Jesus died on that tree. Oh, but Jesus came back from the grave and he won the victory. Oh, but Jesus came back from the grave and he won the victory. Amen. <clears throat> Heaven's sounding sweeter every day, ain't it? I, I, told, I got the news that Brother Ernie passed away and received his eternal healing. Went in and told Cassie, I said, Honey, I believe any day now we're going to be in heaven with him. Uh, it might be 20 years from now, it might be 50 years from now, I don't know. I don't think it'll be that long, but the Bible says no man knoweth the day or the hour, so it'll be foolish for me to say when he's coming, because I don't know. But one thing I do know is he's coming. Amen? And I'm ready for him to come. I'm ready to be in heaven. I'm ready to see my my uh, loved ones who have went on by the blood, amen, and received their glorification. I'm ready to go on and meet these men of God that I've uh, became friends with and had mentored in my life. I'm ready to see them again. Um, but the one I long to see the most is the face of my Savior. I'm ready to see Jesus, amen. I'm like Peter. I, I, it's just hard sometimes to believe until I touch his nail holes and thrust my hand into his side, but Jesus said, Blessed are they who have not seen, yet believe. Amen. And I believe he's alive. I believe he's on the right hand of God this morning. Uh, and I am thankful that he's making intercession for me and you so that we can make heaven our home. This morning, if you have your Bibles, uh, simple thoughts on my heart this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 15. While you're finding your place, uh, I'll just give you a little backstory on... King Saul, uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, we see that there is priests uh, ruling over Israel. But the children of Israel, they uh, started rebelling and started uh, questioning God, doing wicked in, in the eyes of God, and they said, give us a king. They wanted a king. They wanted somebody that would be in authority and take control and lead them uh, uh, with a strong hand and with a mighty hand. Uh, and so the children of Israel, they started saying, give us a king, give us a king. Well, they got what they asked for. Uh, but King Saul, and you'll find in the Word of God and in the early uh, chapters in 1 Samuel, that King Saul, he was a, a big man. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in, the, in Israel. Uh, he was good to look upon. He was handsome. He, he was muscular, and he, he had the might. He, he looked fit for a king. But his heart. Now, when he was young, the Bible says, uh, and I'll get there. Uh, when he was younger, uh, he thought that he was of nobody. He thought he was just uh, uh, of no count and didn't really have a lot of talents. But uh, nonetheless, he was humble uh, in the eyes of God, and so God blessed him and anointed him king over Israel. 
uh, gave Israel what they asked for. Um, but as soon as Saul got in authority, his humbleness turned into haughtiness. Amen? And the Bible says a haughty spirit goes before a fall and pride before destruction, or uh, Proverbs. And so we see Saul's humbleness turned into haughtiness. And therefore, soon after uh, he was anointed by God to be king, God refused and God rejected King Saul and pulled uh, King Saul's dynasty and uh, kingdom from him and gave it to a man who the Bible says was after God's own heart. We all know who that was in 1 Samuel 16. God anointed David uh, as king over Israel. Anyway, this morning, if you will, uh, stand with us for the reading of the Scripture. I'm going to read one verse uh, this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. The Bible says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as humble as we know how. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, for your blessings. God, I'm thankful, Lord, to be behind the sacred desk again. God, to preach the holy word of God. Father, I know that within myself I, am, I will utterly fall. I will utterly mess up. But God, I'm asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit this morning. God, that you might give me the words to say that I may preach. And God, that we may touch hearts and that the Holy Spirit of God may change their lives. God, that we might grow closer to you. God, that we might be uh, faithful to you and that we might obey your voice and not somebody else's. Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Anoint us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Dr. Warren Wearsby said, For God's people not to pray is to sin against the Lord. Yet if there's one thing lacking in our churches today, it is prayer. Particularly, prayer for those in authority. I believe as God's people, and listen, that's what the children of Israel was, was wanting. They, they chanted and they... they uh, uh, a campaigned, if you will, before God, give us a king. They wanted a king. They wanted a strong man to lead them. But did they pray for him? But did they seek God's will in the matter? Because God's will was that a priest should abide over them and take care of them uh, and lead them. But nonetheless, they sought God. Samuel sought God for them. And if you will, when I get into the Scripture, I want us to look at Samuel as the Holy Spirit of God, because I believe that Samuel is a type of the Holy Spirit, because Samuel, he was a priest of the Almighty God who came to Saul and gave the commandment of God to King Saul. What does the Holy Spirit do to us? He comes from God Almighty, from the Son who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he brings us the commandment of the Lord to us, and we have a choice. He doesn't force us. Amen. Samuel didn't force King Saul to abide by the law of God, but he gave him an ultimatum. He gave him a choice. And like many of us today, we have a choice in who we follow. That's why my title this morning is, Who Are You Following? Because this morning I believe that God has spoken to every man's heart. The Word of God says that He will deal with every man one time. 
He has promised to deal with our hearts and to speak to our hearts one time. Bless God if He speaks to you more than once. Praise God for that. Because He desires to see you born again and right with Him. But I believe there will come a time that if we continue to refuse and reject the chastening of the Lord God Almighty, that He will stop speaking to us and hell will be our home. There's only so far, or there's only so much that God will take. And that's what we're going to look at in this passage of Scripture. The Amalekites, they were an evil nation. They were one of the first people to attack God's people after He delivered them from uh, the land of Egypt. Back in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua, uh, we find that uh, the Amalekites, they attacked them, they ambushed them, they didn't give them any sign of warning, uh, but rather they snuck up behind them, they slew some of the children of Israel. Uh, and so God had a uh, righteous anger toward the Amalekite people. And that's why when uh, he anointed King Saul to be the king over Israel, he told him very specific details on what he was to do with the country of the Amalekites. In verse number 1 it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken, and I'm going to stop on that word just for a moment. That word hearken means to listen with a view to obeying. Meaning, don't just hear what I have to say, but I want you to listen to what I'm going to say, and I want you to act on it. That's what uh, God was telling Saul. That's what Samuel was trying to relay the message to the king. He said, hearken, mean, meaning do what God tells you to do. He's the one who's anointed you. He's the one who has called you. He is the one who has beckoned you to be king over Israel. Now you must do what God has called you to do. He said, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Notice he didn't say, hearken unto the words of the people of Israel. He didn't say, hearken to the, uh, the words of the Philistines. He didn't say, hearken uh, to the uh, government or to the priests. He said, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. And if I can give you a challenge this morning or a, a, uh, a charge this morning, it would be to hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Because we see it in our day and time, uh, the day that we live in, the world is going so far uh, uh, away from God that at any moment the wrath of God could come. But while He is speaking, while today He is dealing with hearts, hearken unto the Lord. In uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 3, I believe it is, He said, Today, Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Meaning, hearken to the word of God. Come unto the Lord. Receive what he has commanded. Verse number 2 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both man and woman infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telam, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. That's a lot of people. At one point in time, the Word of God says that King Saul had almost 300,000 men in his army. But by the time it was all said and done because he disobeyed God, he was left with only 600 men. 
Actually, Jonathan, if you read uh, 1 Samuel 14, Samuel won a greater victory than King Saul ever done. Jonathan was Saul's son. But Jonathan loved the Lord. Jonathan done that which was pleasing in God's eyes, not in the king's eyes. So there's times that, and listen, I know the Word of God says that we must obey and, and, and listen to those who are in authority over us. We must abide by the laws of the land. But there will come a time, church, when the people of God will have to stand up and defy the government. Because God is the supreme authority. We, if we are born again and bought by the blood of God, we must hearken to the words of the Lord and not man. There will come a time that we must stand up and stand out that we are the children of God and that we will please God no matter the cost rather than pleasing man. King Saul didn't care. King Saul, I think of King Saul and I think of Pontius Pilate this morning because both of these men, they had great... Uh, 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 People respected them greatly. They, they uh, boasted them and lifted them up. Uh, and, and they thought they were better than everybody in the, in the land because they had the power. But man's power is nothing in the sight of God's power. When you think you're on top and you think you're all in control, God will do something to humble you, to knock you off your high horse. This morning, I find that King Saul, he thought, well, I, I'm, I'm the one in control. I'm the, I'm the, uh, uh, I, I have all the power over the children of Israel. God has anointed me king over Israel, so I can do what I want to. I don't have to. Ain't that just like the devil? What did, what did the devil tell Eve in the garden? He said, the day you partake of that tree, you won't surely die. But you'll become as God. You'll be as such as we are. The devil will tell you things that will be pleasing to your eyes to get you to please men and to please the devil. But if you hearken to that voice, you're not hearkening unto the right voice. Who are you following this morning? I'm going to have to come out of this jacket. Who, who are we following this morning? J.R., I hope it's the Lord. Some of y'all might not have heard what he said. He, that's a simple answer, ain't it? Who are you following? If you can't say, I'm following the Lord, I'm following God, I'm following the Word of God, then this morning I beg you to fall on your knees and pray and seek the Lord and surrender your heart over to Him and let Him be the Lord of your life. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that uh, uh, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction, death. For the wages of sin is death. So this morning we must answer this simple question, who are we following? Are we following our bosses? Are we listening to what our, our employer is telling us to do? Or are we listening to God? Listen. I believe that there will come a time, even in the place of work, if it goes against your morals, your integrity, and your character and the Word of God, if you are a child of God, God will command you to stand up and get away from that. I believe that. Y'all ain't got to believe like I believe. I believe it's Bible. 
What did, what did the three Hebrew children do? When King Nebuchadnezzar said, Defy your God and bow to my golden image. What did they do? Listen, other than that, they listened to everything King Nebuchadnezzar had in order. They abided by the laws of the land. But when they said to bow at this golden image, the children of uh, the Hebrew children said, We will not bow. There will come a time as the church of America, I don't know what year, I don't know what day, but there will come a time, church, that we must stand up and say, We will not bow. I don't know if y'all seen uh, the professional baseball player who stood when everybody else knelt down during the national anthem. He said, I'll stand because the only thing that I kneel to is my Savior, Jesus Christ. And he stood while everybody else was kneeling. He stood. There will come a time, church, when the church must stand up and stand out and say, we are the children of God and we will not bow. There's a lot of things in America today that people are trying to bow to trying to get you to be persuaded, trying to get you uh, to think that it's a good thing, that it'll benefit you. But listen, the only thing that's going to benefit you is the Word of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at the cross of Calvary. Because everything in this world will perish. Everything. But the Word of God says that it is forever settled in heaven, and when everything else falls, the Word of God shall stand forever. Ever. It's infallible. It'll live forever. I believe I'd rather have something that'll abide forever than something that'll perish overnight. Amen? Because in the twinkling of an eye, everything you have can be taken from you. Amen? Next week, your freedom could be taken from you. Next year, we could be imprisoned. We could be in camps because our freedoms could be taken from us because that's what the enemy is trying to do. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. That's why Peter said, Be sober and be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, seeking to and fro as a roaring lion. And it's just getting worse. And I heard a preacher say this morning as I was uh, getting ready for church, he said, church, I wish I had some good news. He said, I wish I could tell you everything's going to get better. But he said, I've read the book. He said, it ain't getting better. Matter of fact, if you've read the blessed book, it's going to get a lot worse. But praise God, if you're signed, sealed, you will be delivered. Amen. If you'll get your name signed in the Lamb's Book of Life and let the Holy Spirit of God seal your soul, you will be delivered to eternal life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because my God is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And He is coming with vengeance. He is coming with judgment. And listen, if you ain't on His side, you don't want to see Him come. Because mercy is not coming with him. Grace is not coming with him. Judgment's coming. Justice is coming. If y'all have ever seen the movie Tombstone, well, I won't say what he said, but y'all know. <laughs> the wrath of God is coming. And I don't want to be anywhere in sight when the wrath of God comes. Who are we following? Who are we obeying? 
Amen, Brother J.R. Thank you. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 11 says this. And this is, uh, I'll back up to verse 10. It says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, Notice, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel. Samuel is the messenger of God to relay a message to Saul. This morning, I pray that through my voice, the Holy Spirit of God is able to relay a message from God Himself that you may hearken. He said, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. Now, he's not taking back his word. He's not saying that uh, I, I wish that uh, I, I would have never appointed him king because if he had, that would show a changing uh, in God's character. But God's character never changes. He is uh, uh, immutable. It means he is unchangeable. But what that word, uh, it repenteth me, that phrase, it means that he was sorrowful, that he was brokenhearted, that he had a righteous anger because the man that he appointed to be king blatantly disobeyed the word of God, the commandment of the Lord. He blatantly disobeyed because he kept King Agag. He kept the finest sheep. He kept the strongest and, and, and nice-looking cattle. Levi, you're here this morning. He, King Saul kept the finest pigs. He had the nicest pigs. He had the nicest cattle. Probably had the nicest chicken that laid the best eggs. But everything the Amalekites had, King Saul kept for himself. I believe he wanted everything to be perfect. King Saul said, well, I'm king, and my kingdom will have everything that is good. He wanted the best cattle. He wanted the best animals. He wanted the most money. But God told him to destroy it. See, I don't think God would have been upset with what uh, he had if he had nice things. So what I'm trying to say this morning is if God has blessed you with nice things this morning, you ought to give him thanks. It ain't wrong to have nice things. What's wrong is when you put those nice things in front of God himself. And that's what King Saul did. King Saul put the nice things of the Amalekites in front of the commandment of God. Therefore, he disobeyed God. Therefore, God's heart was broken and anger filled God. And that's why he uh, uh, removed Saul from king. Uh, the phrase, it repenteth me, is not an indication of a changeableness in God's nature, but an expression of sorrow at the sinful rebellion of Saul. Warren Wiersbe said, in the way it functions or doesn't function, the church of Jesus Christ today may sometimes resemble Saul's army. But if we do, it's our own fault. Through his great work on the cross, our Lord has defeated every enemy. And his power is available to his people. We have the armor and the weapons we need, Ephesians chapter 6. And his word tells us all we need to know about the strategy of the enemy and the resources we have in Christ. All he asks is that we trust him and obey his orders and he will help us win the battle. That's all he asks. He has given us everything we need to know. Through the word of God, he tells us that the, uh, uh, the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It also refers to him as a serpent. 
who's subtle and cunning in inner craftiness. So we see that the enemy will try every way possible to ambush you and destroy you. Sneak attack. You won't even see it coming. Because here's how the devil works. He'll raise you up. Amen. What is the... And y'all may disagree with me. But I believe that there is one thing that is the root of most sin. And it's pride. At the root of every sin in a man's life will lie pride. The serpent, the roaring lion, Satan, the enemy, he will sow pride into a person's life and raise them up. And just as everything is going good and all, it seems like, boy, I've got the world by the hands, I've got the tiger by the tail, I, whatever you want to call it, Everything's going good. I've got all this money. I've got nice houses. I've got all this. And then the devil will come in and destroy everything. That's what he does. He'll set you on a pedestal and then he'll kick like a bucking horse and kick that pedestal out from under you and you'll fall. And he'll leave you for dead. But praise God, the Bible says that if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt us in due time. See, when God exalts a person, pride does not enter him. Humbleness remains. If you want God to use you, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and watch him do it. Samuel is a type of the Holy Spirit ministering and bringing God's commandments to us. When we obey or disobey, the Holy Spirit will either rejoice or it'll be grieved. When we disobey, it breaks the heart of God and gives the Holy uh, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. David uh, uh, Gusick uh, said Alexander McLaren uh, has an insightful comment on Saul's statement that is more than true obedience is quick to say. If Saul had done it, he would have been slower to boast of it. See, that's what he's talking about here in uh, verse number uh, thirteen. In verse number 12, I mean, he said, When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set, it, uh, set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. The guilty dog always barks. Someone told me uh, a few weeks ago that if you throw a rock into a pile of dogs, the one it hits will yelp the loudest. Saul was a guilty dog. He boasted that he had performed the commandment of the Lord, but knowing in his heart that he didn't do fully what God commanded Chapter 15, verse 13 through 15 uh, is what, I, I, what I've read to you this morning. Notice in verse 14, it says, And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people, boy, it always amazes me, and I, I've been guilty of it in my life, now when somebody catches you red-handed, the first thing you want to do is blame somebody else. Right? 
First thing you want to do, if somebody's caught you red-handed, we want to start pointing fingers. We're like a billboard. We, our hands are going everywhere, just not right here. See, God knows our hearts. God knew King Saul's heart that it had already departed in obeying the voice of God. So God's judgment was already coming to King Saul that he would be removed from king. Like many of us, King Saul threw shade to the very people he was in charge over. He was not sorry for what he had done and commanded, but he was sorry that he got caught. Mr. Guzik said, Pride and disobedience makes us blind or deaf to our sin. What was completely obvious to Samuel was invisible to Saul. We all have blind spots of sin in our lives. And we need to constantly ask God to show them to us. We need to sincerely pray the prayer of Psalm 139, 23 through 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my, uh, and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Folks, disobedience is not a is not a uh, mistake. Disobedience is not a mistake because you choose to disobey. We all make mistakes, right? We all have accidents. We all we all fail. That's right, Jr. Word of God says in Romans three twenty three. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I'm here to tell you, I understand that we make mistakes. I understand that we're sinners, that we need forgiveness, that we need Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, the blood that He shed for the atonement. But when we blatantly disobey, see, Saul knew that he was disobeying. It wasn't something, oh, well, I forgot. No, he knew what he was doing because he kept the king. He kept King Agag and all of his animals. Saul knew what he was doing. Just like this morning, if God is speaking to your heart that you must be born again and you refuse, then you have disobeyed. You have chose to disobey the Word of God. Blatantly, willfully, you have disobeyed. It's not a mistake, but rather it's a heart issue. God was seeking somebody that would be after his own heart. This morning, God is seeking that person who wants a new heart. He wants to perform a heart transplant this morning. He wants to give you a new life. He wants to give you a new burden. He wants to give you a, a, a fresh revelation of what life really is. Because listen, you don't know what life is until you accept Jesus Christ. You don't know what uh, enjoying life really is until you've been saved from death. Why do you say that? Because Ephesians 2 and 1 says that we are all dead in trespassing and sins. Verse 4 of Ephesians says, But God, who is rich in mercy, with His great love wherewith He loved us. Thank God, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. 
Who are we following this morning? Verse 22 through 24 says this. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Maybe some of y'all have said, and I, I, uh, I probably said it in the past myself, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Anybody said that? Anybody done that before? Don't raise your hand. I know probably all of you have. Growing up, that's, that was the thing. Oh, it's better to ask forgiveness than get permission. But here, what Samuel's telling King Saul is that we cannot have that heart. We cannot have that mindset because God is not looking for burnt offerings and sacrifices. God is looking for a heart of true obedience to His Word and to His commandment. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Notice what he says. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I've been guilty of that. Maybe you have too. Boy, if I don't, if I don't do this, then they, they're going to think bad of me. They ain't going to like me. They ain't going to want to be my friend if I don't do that. Well, if I don't do this or if I don't, if I don't talk like this, then they won't think I'm popular. They won't think I'm, I'm cool. They won't, they won't think that I'm prideful. See, the thing is, everybody today, Used to, women used to be a lot more humble than men. Man's always had a pride issue. We've always thought we was better. But even now, the women today think, well, they're better than the man. See, it's, the, it's a pride issue. It's a heart issue. Everybody's prideful. Everybody thinks that, that if, if, if I'm not prideful, then everybody's going to think bad of me. Everything's gonna, everybody's going to think low of me, that I'm not going to be fit for... For what I, what I do. Notice, he said, but because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. I tell you, I'd rather obey God's voice than to obey the voice of man. Because the, uh, the voice of man will condemn you and it will judge you. Obedience is loving God without expecting something back in return. Sacrifice is when you give something that you don't want anymore. Sacrifice is a carnal action while obedience is an eternal action. Sacrifice has a selfish motive behind it because we are willing to sacrifice um, the things uh, that aren't going to hurt or not feel good. Or cause us to suffer. It's real easy to sacrifice those things, ain't it? 
the things that, that aren't real close to us, it's easy to give something up that really you don't need. For me, uh, fasting, you know, you know, that's why the Bible, and I'm going to be transparent with you, the Bible teaches us that if we fast, we are crucifying the flesh, that we are submitting ourselves to God and, and we are refusing ourselves of what we enjoy. That's fasting. We are resisting uh, the pleasures of the flesh to have the pleasures of God, to enjoy and experience God in a deeper way. It's hard. I don't, I don't eat to live. I live to eat, okay? Most of y'all may not be that way. Most of y'all just say, well, I eat to live. Well, bless God, uh, you need to try some better food. Because <laughs> I enjoy eating, and you can tell by looking at me. But when God tells us to give up something, we must obey Him. When God tells me to fast, when God tells me to push away from the table to seek Him, I promise you there is a blessing in that moment. There is a blessing in brokenness. Sometimes God has to break you to give you your blessing. Obeying God's word and believing God to be true and every man a liar, Romans 3 and 4, will sometimes cause us to suffer for Christ's sake and lose things such as power to control things, our popularity, our pride, or maybe even something that we enjoy recreational because we've offered ourselves as living sacrifices, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, except one of God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Martin Luther said, I'd rather be obedient than able to work miracles. That's a pretty bold statement. Being popular with people rather than pleasing God is what King Saul was all about. Many will listen or watch what other people do and go along with them instead of stepping out in faith. And we should obey God's voice over the voices of friends, family, and well-known people. Our younger people. I gave out Bibles to young children today because I want to be a role model for them. I want to be an example for them. I want to be uh, uh, an example of Christ for young people to want to follow after. And if you're sitting in this room, that should be your heart's desire is to be an example of Jesus Christ to your kids, to your cousins, to the people that you work with. We should want to be a, an example of Jesus Christ. But when we start pleasing men rather than God, our kids will follow after somebody who is popular, who is well-known, Amen. Who has fame and fortune and everything is going good. Who seems to like by the media have no problems at all. And it gives our children a false hope of security and identity. So may we be men and women who please God and who will be an example for our children for years to come. 
Lastly, this morning, I want to read verse 29, and I'll close. Samuel has already spoke to uh, King Saul, and he's already told him, listen, you've disobeyed blatantly the commandment of God. And because you have uh, rejected the commandment of God, God has rejected you as king over Israel. It says, And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Samuel uses a title for the Lord found only here in the whole Bible. The strength of Israel. Ain't that something? Wonder why. Wonder why Samuel used that phrase to characterize God Almighty. Well, here's what I found. This reminds Saul that the Lord is determined in his purpose and in his strong will. There will be no change. The title Strength of Israel was also important because at that time... Saul probably thought of himself as the strength of Israel, but the Lord God was the strength of Israel, and Saul needed to hear it. Sometimes we think that we are all-powerful, that we can control everything that we encounter, and sometimes we need to know that God is the strength of Israel. We think that our president, the, the commander-in-chief, is all-powerful, that he is in control of everything. But listen, I serve one who is greater than the president of the United States of America. doesn't matter if he's Democrat or Republican. Bless God, I serve a God who is greater and more powerful than even he. And his name is Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded this morning of a few things. First, God cannot lie. Titus 2 and, uh, 1 and 2. God's promise is immutable, meaning unchangeable, by two things. Hebrews 6 and 18. And lastly, God's word is sure, meaning it's steadfast. I had several uh, uh, scriptures for you. I'm going to read one, uh, uh, two more. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He is the strength of Israel. Despite of what you decide to do with the Word of God today, God is still on the throne. He is still in control. And His will will still come to pass, whether you're in it or not. But I encourage you today, get in the will of God. Seek the will of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that my sheep know my voice and a stranger will not follow. Who are we following this morning? King Saul followed the people, followed what the people wanted him to do. But Samuel, he followed the Lord. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to follow the Lord this morning? Or are we going to follow the people and fit in with the crowd? I'd rather fit in with God's people. Amen? Than with the world today. All right, stand with us this morning. If you will, bow your heads. Uh, you, can, you can come to the piano.
We're going to give just a few moments this morning. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. That's really where this whole sermon came about was when I read that passage of Scripture. And God just struck a chord in me and said, Ben, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And then I started thinking, how often time have I waited on obeying the voice of the Lord and then had to go back and repent and ask God to forgive me? Listen, if you'll just obey the first time, you won't have to go back and repent. And God will bless you for it. God will bless you for your obedience. I promise you. This morning, if God has spoke to your heart, if you feel the need that you'd like to come and pray at this altar, this altar is open. As Miss Sue plays softly. Bless him, Lord.